welcome to The Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we continue our study in the book of Proverbs with chapter 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart's understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of Yahweh and find the knowledge of God. For Yahweh gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you, understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death, and her paths to departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good, and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. This is the word of the Lord. We're going to get a series of different teachings that Solomon gives to his son. You can view this as his literal son, so we talked about Rehoboam yesterday, or just the general practical idea that a father is given to teach wisdom to his son. And so he is speaking in such a manner. So if you receive my words, like yesterday, receiving the father's instruction in verse 8, I believe it was, treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and you're inclining your heart to understanding. Very similar to what Solomon himself did in 1 Kings chapter 3, where God offered him a blank check, whatever he wanted, he would give him. And Solomon prayed to the Lord for wisdom, that he would be able to govern his people. And now, as perhaps the wisest man ever to live, believe him to be, He's trying to pass that wisdom on. He's encouraging his son to seek that wisdom and to treasure it. To be willing to learn both with his ears and with his heart. To hear the word and to believe it. He compares this in verse 4 to seeking silver. This is a, a good family conversation. How hard do we try to get the stuff of this world that we want? So silver here meant to be precious metal, uh, a valuable resource. Gold, diamonds, platinum, cash, video game system, and whatever it is. How hard are we willing to try for that stuff? Shift gears. Try that hard for wisdom, for knowledge. Seek it with such passion as you do stuff that perishes. 
It's an intriguing use of the word silver to me because in Solomon's day as king, the silver didn't actually have any value. You can read that in 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 21 and 27. Uh, 21 says that silver was as nothing, and 27 that silver was as common in Jerusalem as stone. That's definitely not Solomon's point here. Solomon's point is the normal way to understand the idea of searching after silver, um, expensive things. But the Lord had so blessed King Solomon that he had all of this in, in abundance. At our congregation, this has led to a practice of making faith chests for our children. Uh, it's a treasure chest, basically, uh, but instead of putting stuff of the world in it, the things that they treasure and enjoy, we're teaching them to put the things that point them to Christ in it. So the, we give it out at baptism, so already the baptismal gown, candle, certificate, um, their, the Bibles, devotional books they'll use over the years to come. We have a whole slew of gifts we like to give to our kids at our congregation. We do this from Matthew chapter 6, as Jesus said, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We want them to seek not the things of this world, but the things of Christ. And that is what Solomon here is advising to his son. Chase not after the world. Chase after the Lord. This is good and good wisdom to search, seek Christ and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And Solomon lived that, at least at first. He sought the Lord, and all things that he needed were provided, and then he messed up later in his life. Verse 6, Yahweh gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So we, we trust this to be true today as well. We talked yesterday about wisdom in the psalm, uh, the Proverbs as being Jesus. And one of those spots where you might not read it as Jesus, just as wisdom. The Lord gives us. God gives us wisdom. Now, he did give us Jesus, thanks be to God. Um, but this is something to connect with as well. So the Lord gives us understanding and knowledge. Jesus pours out the Holy Spirit on Pentecost to lead us in all things to teach us the truth. That's why he told his disciples in John 14 that he had to depart so that he could send the Spirit to teach us the truth. Verses 7 and 8 get into the idea that God uses this then to protect us. God himself protects us, but he also uses the wisdom and understanding to protect us. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, so truth who walk in his ways. A lot of references in the Psalms to the Lord being a shield, buckler, fortress, stronghold, you name it, pretty much. All these, these ideas of God's protection. That God guards the path of the just. He watches over his saints. And so saints, holy ones, those who are his people. As Lutherans, we view the word saint today a lot different than the Catholic Church does. Roman Catholicism views saints as those who have have been sainted, really, uh, especially marked after death by the, the church, as having that, that special status of honor in the church, getting a feast day, a festival day. But this would give you the picture that the saints are still alive, and that's the way that the Lutheran church takes it, is that a saint is simply someone who belongs to the Lord. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're a saint. Holy, set apart. It doesn't mean we're perfect, but we're saints. 
We are simultaneously saints and sinners is the way we'll often phrase that one. And God will give us understanding of righteousness, justice, and equity, every good path. So righteousness, the idea of what is right, what is holy, what is God-pleasing. Justice, the idea of really caring for others in that way. And equity ends up fitting in with that, seeing others the way God sees them as creatures that the Lord has made. And so instead of looking at my neighbor with evil intent, as we saw in chapter 1, they, they were seeking to lay an ambush and, and kill, draw blood, or steal and plunder. We're to look at our neighbor as someone that the Lord has created, that he loves, that he has died on the cross to save. How can we serve them today? This is a good path. Wisdom will come into your heart, knowledge into your soul will be pleasant to your soul. Uh, the one who seeks after these things, who values these things, will, will adore them when he finds them, treasuring these things that come from the Lord himself. Discretion, so again, protection coming here, will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. So our ability to know, to discern right and wrong, good from evil, the Lord's ways from the devil's ways, these will protect us from harm, from the path that leads to destruction. That's what we see then in verse 12 and, well, really 12 all the way through 19, is that discretion and understanding deliver us from all this evil we're about to read here. The way of evil, men of perverted speech, so speaking harmful, shameful things, forsake the paths of uprightness, so instead of doing the good thing, they walk in the dark. That's a, a First John reference, especially. He, he really covers that in his epistle, the contrast of darkness and light. To walk in the darkness is to walk in the ways of evil, whereas to walk in the light is to follow the righteous way of Christ. These men rejoice in doing evil. They delight in evil. And again, we see a lot of this today. And sometimes we wonder how people could possibly delight in evil. Read Ephesians 2, the whole chapter. Read about how we were once dead, how we were once children of wrath like these. This was us too, and thanks be to God he has rescued us from it, that he has, with his discretion and understanding, through the, the blood of Christ, he's redeemed us. The contrast, again, is brought up with a forbidden woman. That is, uh, the idea of a woman who has been married, so she has forsaken the companion of her youth, that is, her husband. She's an adulteress, a, a harlot, a prostitute, uh, whatever word you want to use here. She uses smooth words to entice, just like the men trying to entice yesterday in chapter 1 to do evil, just like the perverting speech of the man in verse 12. Here now we've got a woman who seeks to get you to break the sixth commandment. That would be to forget the covenant of her God. So you shall not commit adultery. She's forgotten this. She, she longs for it. And so her house sinks down to death. That is, to go into her house is to go into death. It is where she leads men. None who go to her come back. It's a really strong statement, declaration of judgment against evil. It is truly hard to return from 
the point where you've given yourself over to evil and maybe debatably not possible once we've rejected Christ and his goodness, having tasted of it. Hebrews speaks that way in chapter 6, that it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit, have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance. It's a very difficult verse, um, one that we wrestle with, and this is this sounds similar. Now, there is a family conversation that you can have in this, though. Um, ask your children, how do we come back from evil? For we all sin. Uh, we all stray from the path that has been laid before us. How do we come back? It's a conversation about the work of the Holy Spirit who leads us to repent of our sins, who humbles us that we confess our sins before the Lord and that we rejoice in the goodness of his forgiveness that Christ won for us on the cross. We, on our own, could not return to the Lord. But he has done everything necessary to bring us back to himself. Through the blood of his Son, Jesus Christ, he has redeemed us. Through the power of the Spirit and baptism, he has brought us into his kingdom and he has reconciled us to himself through water and the word. Our text ends verses 20 to 22, which really is quite similar to the, the promised land promise of the Old Testament, that if God's people would remain in his way, if they would follow his path and keep his commandments, he would bless them in the promised land and they'd live there forever. But if they would reject him, if they would not walk in his ways, he would cut them off. He would remove them from that land which is ultimately what ends up happening. You can find an example, and we can find many of these uh, spots in the, the Old Testament, but Deuteronomy chapter 8 will give you quite a solid picture of this whole, whole thing. So, the upright will inhabit the land, they'll remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off, rooted out. This is also the picture then of paradise, that those who trust in the Lord will be welcomed into his paradise where they get to live forever, but those who have rejected him and his ways. Uh, they will be cut off and they will not come to paradise. They will spend eternity in hell. So again, common Old Testament language there, but I think we can make the connection also to the promised land that Christ has promised to us, that he is going to prepare a place for us. And if he has gone to prepare a place, he also will come back, that he may take us to be with him where he is which is the word he speaks to his disciples in John chapter 14.